Hello, everyone, and welcome back to today's episode of Remedial Studies. This is episode two. Honestly, I think we're shocked we got here in the first place. Today, we are going to be discussing everyone's favorite pop star of the moment, at least to talk about, Taylor Swift and her, uh, I believe it's her sixth album now, uh, Reputation, which was released on November 10th. Um, Just a quick disclaimer, uh, because we are going to be talking about some time-sensitive news items. We're recording this um, on Sunday, November 12th. So if something changes between when we're recording and when you guys actually hear it, that will be why. Because we're um, a little bit off on timing just due to, you know, editing and all that fun behind-the-scenes stuff that we got to do. But yeah, that's where we're going to be for today. So where do we want to start, Anna? Well, I think we should say we're not talking about Game of Thrones today because that's an oops in my <laughs> my promo <laughs> for this episode. Yeah, I, I forgot to correct you. I thought somehow we were going to talk about Reputation and Game of Thrones, but we are going to talk about Game Game of Thrones next time on episode three. three. <laughs> I I've already can't count. Like, we're under five episodes, and I have no idea what's happening. I think where we're starting is just kind of a general, like, this is the sixth studio album. We have had ten years of Taylor Swift. Yeah, I, I'm, I guess it's, it's interesting to me in this day and age where we, we still have, even in the advent of the internet and seemingly li- limitless production and promotion, we still have one-hit wonders. So to have somebody who is as, I don't want to say prolific, because I don't, I don't think that might, I don't think that's the right term. She's put out an album every two years. That's essentially, true. For the last 10 years, which is impressive. She's, she's an interesting figure to me. I'm sure I'll probably work out my feelings about her throughout this episode, as I usually do about the things we talk about. But I think where we kind of wanted to start was just what you said, like, it's the sixth studio album. Taylor Swift, like the album title would imply, does have a very strong reputation that does tend to precede her. That choice to make it the album title doesn't doesn't surprise me because I I know that's something that she has spoken about throughout the course of her career is she claims that people put words in her mouth. She thinks that people talk about her, but they don't really know her. So falling back on just that concept of having a reputation that is or isn't true makes sense for this point in where I I think she might be in her career. Does that make sense to you, Hannah? No, I think it does make sense. I think also this album was sort of foreshadowed by the song Blank Space on Mm -hmm. 1989. Pretty, the song takes blank space and kind of blows it up into a a full album yeah i i know you felt that way about blank space i feel that way a lot about bad blood yeah it's like those two songs had an ugly ineffectual baby right and especially um we were talking about this earlier but especially the production value of music videos i feel especially for bad blood i can see that kind of overreaching influence Yes, I honestly, I think Blank Space was kind of like, I honestly prefer Rich People Problems Taylor Swift to I'm Tough and whatever Taylor Swift. Oh, absolutely. I I really liked Blank Space for that because to me it was was a very 
concise and good way of her making fun of the reputation and the persona that has been built kind of for her, kind of by her. And now that I don't feel that translates very well to a full album. Yeah, it gets, I don't know, the songs that I've listened to, they're pretty boring. They're pretty, I don't know, lyrically, I think they're probably her weakest effort. Yeah, I I find myself agreeing with that. I have not, disclaimer, listened to the full album because she hasn't put it on streaming services yet. But I, the songs I have listened to, I've listened to Ready For It, Look What You Made Me Do, Gorgeous, and Call It What You Will. And none of them really struck me as very good because I do feel Taylor Swift is a good lyricist. I do think she's a good songwriter, but in this effort, it doesn't, it, it feels almost not juvenile. That's not the right word, but like whiny. Yeah, I don't think juvenile is a, I don't think that's a bad way to, to describe it. Like, mm-hmm. I, like she's unable to move past some things and that kind of does show a lack of maturity. Yeah, I, it's, it's weird. There were, there's a lot of through lines in the, the songs I've listened to that are concerning. Like the, her fixation on the fact that she's dated older men, but she insists on referring to romantic and sexual partners as baby. Yeah, I don't know if that is like just a pop music convention. That's or true. It is also entirely possible. I'm reading way too far into that. But I mean, a lot of people take issue with that term of endearment as infantilizing. Yeah, and and I know I I think a lot of the people I hear that from are, are female, but I don't think it's unrelatable from the from the male perspective. Well, right, because I think in this album. Taylor Swift is kind of putting herself in a position of power more than she has previously, but she's still retaining this sort of I'm a victim mentality. Yeah, I I remember when the music video for Look What You Made Me Do dropped. It's that end scene of all these different versions of her in front of the jet plane. Mm -hmm. And it's there were two things that really struck me. One of them, because I actually was one of the people who thought this when she was super young, where it's like, why do you keep making that face? You can't be that surprised. (laughs) And because I literally remember sitting in my living room and my mom saying those exact words. The second one was, I don't know if it was when she was in the 2009 VMAs dress or not, but it was the whole, oh, there she goes playing the victim again. Yeah. So there's this acknowledgement I guess, but it's not like she can't take it to its full realization. Like right. I think that's where this album fails. Is she's almost got it, but she she fails to follow through and really examine her reputation and what she is doing in a meaningful way. Like it never gets beyond. Yeah, exactly. It, it is. It does feel very like it sounds very victim blamey to me. In a way where she does not realize that she isn't the victim. Well, right. She's obviously not. <laughs> like, no. <laughs> oh, man. Because I think one thing we really need to talk about is that uh, Taylor Swift is lawful evil. Yeah, we, we did settle on that as her alignment. She would absolutely be lawful evil. Um, mostly because of all the wonderful and sundry things she she has done in the name of supply and demand and capitalism the capitalism i think the most 
the ugliest thing that came out of uh, this album in particular is probably the Taylor Ticks program. Oh, God. I can't even, like, like I can't even think about it. It's so bad. Uh, right. So if you're unfamiliar with the details of that program, I believe Taylor Swift and Ticketmaster uh, teamed up to defeat bots by requiring fans to buy merchandise in order to move up uh, in the queue. So uh, the tickets aren't priced yet, so we don't know how much the tour tickets are going to cost. Mm-hmm. If you buy a certain amount of merchandise, everything, the more merchandise you buy, the higher the position in the ticket queue. And uh, this is supposed to defeat bots, but instead of Ticketmaster basically handling it in a responsible way, they are shifting the the onus of responsibility, essentially, onto... The consumer. The consumer and the fans, and... Uh, making them pay for the privilege of not yes, having to it, deal. It felt like to me, um, it, it felt very futile in that you have to pay. <laughs> oh, there's a certain word for it and I can't think of it right now. But you like like tithe, like you have to give tithe to a lord. And like, <laughs> like, like that is what that struck me as. Is is like well, if you really want to see me, you'll pay for all this, 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 this before you even get the chance to buy tickets. Because I it, correct me if I'm wrong, Hannah. I think you've read into this a little more than I have. It didn't strike strike me that they were guaranteed tickets. No, no, under no circumstances were they guaranteed. That is in the um, promotional agreement that went out. Uh, there are free actions you can take, but you you still have to like give up your email address to the Taylor Swift fan site. You still have to watch a music video. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you are paying like in your time and maybe it's something you wanted to do anyway. But like after that, it costs money. Right. And and like you said, if it's something you already really want to do, then no one's going to stop you from doing it. But it's it does strike me as a bit Regardless of intention, because as we say here on Remedial Studies, intention, creator intention is often not relevant to how things are actually um, interpreted. But regardless of intention, like that just whole whole situation strikes me as really nefarious. Yeah, it's it was described as very exploitative because her fan yes, base that's a is, great word for it. is very young. Like, it's it's a lot of teenagers who don't have their own income, a lot of millennials. Who don't necessarily have disposable income to burn. Right, right. In a very economically fragile state overall. Right. So there was that. That's, that's capitalism is lawful evil with a capital L-E. But we also have... <laughs> Um, I think my favorite headline out of this so far is that the ACLU had to clap back at Taylor Swift. Oh my god, and what a clap back it was. I, like, I I admire the ACLU intern that probably had to write that letter. <laughs> and who was like, fuck it, we're just gonna do puns. Who cares? I've read the blog post that that cease and desist letter was about. Oh, right. Do you want to talk about what exactly happened? Yes, I will talk about what exactly happened. So there was a small blog that made a post 
about to, for context it's left-leaning near socialist marxist that kind of thing and they they advertise that on the website where they they made a post about how taylor swift's lyrics and the imagery in her music videos are interpreted and um claimed by the alt-right which is a fancy word for nazis and white supremacist <laughs> and and things like that and how it was sort of describing how not necessarily stating this is exactly what taylor swift must think it was more like hey this is how it's being interpreted these are my sources you know it's it, it's something that in this day and age would probably be even if it's not intentional it's hard not to see if if, if you're a creator and also a consumer all of which I, 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 don't, I mean, there's nothing illegal about that. There's nothing, de- defamation is the word I think they used. Uh-huh. In the Taylor Swift's team, used in the cease and desist letter, where throughout the whole article, I'm like, they're not saying Taylor Swift is a Nazi. They're not saying right. Taylor Swift is a white supremacist. They're saying her work appeals to this group. So, so my issue that I really take with the kind of action that she's taking about it is why are you mad at that and not the fact that an alt-right publication tweeted the lyrics to your lead single off your new album for hours on Twitter? Yeah, that's, oh boy. Yeah, it's, yeah, that's, it's just sad. Like, get it, get it together, girl. Where where are your priorities? Exactly. And, And the thing that's really sad is that that is not necessarily something that has become uncommon. Yeah, was there any, like, press release, like, hey, I've noticed that Nazis are, like, using this, like, as a thing, I'm not about that, Not to my knowledge. Not to my knowledge. That doesn't mean it hasn't happened. It's just I have not seen any of that personally. And I feel like if she had, that would have been in a lot of the news sort of bundles that have come out about this issue. And I, I haven't seen anything about it. I, I mean, that's a statement I really would have liked to see her make is like, hey, you guys are bad people uh, and I don't support you or you using my songs or whatever, rather than going after a blog with 28 followers. <laughs> exactly. It, it was it, it, it shows to me a lack of priority that mm-hmm. is that is concerning. And of course, again, this is not to say that Taylor Swift herself thinks these things. I think at some point that is going to be the hot button question. And I think that's what we're going towards. But at this point, the question is, why aren't you going to the source of this stuff? Why does it take a blog with less than a thousand followers to get you riled? Yeah, I mean, we've seen that kind of overreaction for a long time now. Like, she's really gone in for control over her image and her works Mm -hmm. and and really been super into like takedown notices to people on etsy um and just stuff like that i there is up to a point i can get that and i can get behind that because we have seen female celebrities in the past have their reputations and their careers be just utterly ruined. Winona Ryder's one of them, whose career in acting is just now, with Stranger Things kind of coming back because of a bullshit shoplifting charge. Um, another one that's come up because Justin Timberlake got invited to be on the Super Bowl was Janet Jackson. Ugh. 
which I have, we could make a whole goddamn episode just about that snafu, but it, it is, it, there, there is a precedent, I feel, in the industry for women to be more, their, their reputations are much more in flux. Most of the time, you get nothing that is under their control. So to a point, I understand, even though at this point it is kind of approaching paranoia, the <laughs> wanting to control that. I, I greatly, greatly dislike the way she goes about it. I greatly dislike her methods, but I understand from the beginning her underlying reasoning for it. it that doesn't make it okay. I do see how if I was in that position, Lord forbid anyone ever let me be a Bob star, I can see how that, that could become a priority. Over, say, something like fan relationships or, in this case, almost the quality of her music has changed because of it. Like, like, like her fixation on this is all over this album. Where do you want to start, Hannah? I mean, we, I think both of us have only listened to a couple of songs, but, like, Genius.com is a great resource. I think we've established that, lyrically, this album's pretty weak. Yeah, I would agree with that. There's some weird... There's some weird, weird undertones in this album. I think you have pointed out to me when when the song first came out that Look What You Made Me Do is a very loaded phrase. It is a, it's a very loaded phrase that is typically used by abusers of all, of all kinds to sort of push blame for their own actions and their own reactions onto other people, Um, which I guess is kind of a good thesis for this album. Right. Yeah, Look What You Made Me Do, it it read to me as sort of, it, it was very much like, it just, it was just creepy to me. I'll, I'll be real honest. It was like the fucking Santa Claus reference, making a list and checking it twice. In the pre-chorus, I'm like, really? This is where we're going already? <laughs> like, like it, it, it is just... I really do think juvenile is the best best way to look at it. Um, and I think we should probably start with, because I do want to get I do want to get it over with, the right said Fred reference in the chorus yes. and that it, it is the same beat and rhythm of I'm too sexy. Yeah. <sighs> Which is a very satirical song. Yes. Yeah. I don't know if she was trying to maybe take that and apply it to look what you made me do because i think there's part of that song that is trying to flip the power structures that have been involved at least the power structures that taylor swift thinks exist whether or not they're the real power structures remains to be to be seen right right and it and it's like I do think a lot of the album, it is trying to be satirical. I do not feel it succeeds. At least I, I want to think that it is. I'm going to be clear. I want to think that it is because I want to believe that Taylor Swift is smarter and more yeah, mature Yeah, the alternative is, is ugly. The alternative is, is she's just yes. throwing a tantrum. Yes. Like in, in no uncertain terms, this entire album is just a, a tantrum. I, I want to believe, especially with the right said Fred thing, I want to believe that she's more aware than that. And I want to believe that it is sort of like taking shots at that gossip culture that she is so often dragged into. That she openly courts. <laughs> she does. She she openly courts it. There were a few specific lyrics in there that really got me. 
The world moves on, another day, another drama. But not for me, not for me. All I think is about, about is karma. And then the world moves on, but one thing's for sure. Maybe I got mine, but you'll all get yours. And I'm like, really? Well, what consequences has Taylor Swift really faced? I think is a good question. None. In my opinion, like, if someone wants to fucking at me and correct me, whatever. But I really don't. She's in the peak of her career. Everybody talks about her. Well, at least in the lead up to this album's release. Let's say that. She was at the peak of her career. She's at the peak of everybody talking about her. Every single thing she does is a huge media blowout. Do you remember the... the the fame monster era yes. of Lady Gaga, where everything she put out, it yes. was huge. And it was just a huge, like, that's what this lead up reminded me of, is everybody wanted to to analyze. Everybody wanted to to figure out what was going on. And, and I do think that's very calculated on the part of her and her yeah. publicity team, which isn't, obviously, that's not new. It's, it, it's, it, you can't say stuff like, I don't like your little games. Yeah. When you're mm-hmm. playing no, one. No, I mean, I think we've talked about that in that and Blank Space kind of establishes that, yes, Taylor Swift is aware that she has an image and that image can and is a construction. Whether or not, I think where we're, we're kind of at a crossroads in that interpretation is that is Taylor Swift aware that, like, how how she is being perceived is a direct result of, like, what she is doing and not just some conspiracy theory against her? Right. That's a really good point that I hadn't actually thought of. Does she know that it isn't people don't just do it for their health, sweetie? It's people, and it's like any kind of art. The interpretation of the artist is a direct result of what they put out. Right. And they only have so much control over that, obviously. And I think think we see in the multiple, I honestly feel like this is a side point, but that the music videos are far more interesting and artistically. I agree. Yeah. So in the uh, Look What You Made Me Do video, we can't not talk about the multiple tailors and... Yes, the multiple tailors throughout the video and then the lineup in front of the jet at yes. the end. So I think I think she is aware, but to what extent she takes responsibility for those constructions of self, I don't know. I cannot comment. I think that is the real question. Like over the course of the album, in the music videos, in her day-to-day life, what kind of responsibility does she take for the fact that all those people have, for better or for worse, been created by her in this give and take between her and the audience? That, that you're right. You have, as an artist, very little control over that. And you, you can't really control how people react to you. So trying to do that is difficult, nigh impossible. Right. And I think that's part of why this album ultimately fails. Is <laughs> because she's she's attempting control and it's it escapes her. Exactly. Because my whole response when I first heard, look what you made me do is, what did you do? Yeah. Yeah. Like what are you doing? I don't get it. <laughs> and, and 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 I and I think best case scenario, it's a parody. It's trying to be satire. It's not supposed to be taken seriously. I think that's the best case scenario. 
Otherwise, it is play- being played straight, and it's just not working. The other part of that, and part of why I want to talk about maybe why it doesn't work, is our societal aversion to uh, women who do not seem genuine. Yes, because I, I, I don't feel that is something that is necessarily applied to male artists in yes. the same way. like no one has accused Justin Bieber of being fake, even though I suspect that he is. <laughs> I, I, great, I greatly suspect he is a fake-ass bitch. <laughs> but, but no, I think you're right. I, I think it is, and I think that ties into the broader microscope that is put on female performers. Mm-hmm. But it is, we have a sort of aversion to it. I know, again, to go back to Lady Gaga, who do, who is, and especially in the era of the fame monster and born this way, was very purposeful in what she did with her music and her music videos and her costumes and how she presented herself. And there's nothing, I don't think inherently there's anything wrong with that. I mean, it's your work. You can do whatever you want. Sia does that to an extent with the fact that she doesn't show her face. And that's a very purposeful choice for her. But but with with Taylor Swift, I wonder if that's why she goes so over the top with it is because she she knows no matter what she does, it's still going to be analyzed. It's still going to be put under that microscope. Right. To bring it to bring Lady Gaga into it again, Joanne, mm-hmm. because it was a departure from her previous sound came under those kinds of like this is obviously you know a very intentional pr commercial move for her yeah because let's just all be honest with ourselves art pop was not a very good album it it was a bit i i love you lady gaga i love you very much but it it was like listening to joanne after hearing that album it it felt more genuine it felt like she was something that she wanted to do and and even if it wasn't even if it was just a construction who cares she's been doing that that's the thing career. that i keep coming back to and that i think some people fail to acknowledge is that to a certain extent i mean you can get as meta about it as you want but everything is a construction mm-hmm. like we're all making choices yeah it's it's like the whole thing whenever words get added to, to the to the dictionary and people are like oh that's made up right all words right. are that's made something up that i think we fail to to talk about is like what does authenticity what does that concept, what does that really entail, and what does that mean, and how do you define it? And I don't think there's really you can you can bring it down to the point where nothing is really quote unquote authentic because it is a construction. Everything we do is a choice. There's nothing inherent. So I, I guess I, I agree with you. I think now I'm thinking about it. So I guess the question is why why the focus on on women and why do we have to be genuine all the time and also is taylor swift allowed to be are women allowed to be angry and vindictive the way that men are allowed to be angry and vindictive that's true because i was thinking when this song came out it's nothing more or less rap as a genre i think is the is has a bit of a reputation for having it more but like people have been writing songs to diss each other since music right. has been a thing <laughs> and like like especially i know that was a big thing um in 90s rap with tupac and notorious big and that whole for lack of a better term conspiracy that like like them making like diss tracks 
about certain producers and certain artists and things like that. Like that was something that was very, very hotly debated during the time of their deaths. So it, it she isn't at a base level. She's not doing anything that is revolutionary. Oh, we can even talk about how Ed Sheeran, there's one song on Ed Sheeran's, not this most recent album, but the previous album that's allegedly, what's that song? I can't remember, but it's about Ellie Goulding, allegedly. Okay. Yeah, because Ed, Ed Sheeran, I mean, he's sort of known for his confessional style of music. Right. They think he's wonderful and sensitive and all of that stuff. You know what it's like, Hannah, to really show that nothing ever changes? It's like confessional oh, no. poetry and how and how women were seen as not like, I mean, the most I can think of at this point, and this is going to be such a tired comparison, well, is Sylvia Plath. She's the most well known. And about how that genre of especially with women of showcasing pain and anger in art in poetry particularly in this example is seen as undesirable and it is seen as un unseemly and and the fact that there are people particularly men and particularly older men who make fun of women for identifying with that is really insidious to me and it shows a complete lack of understanding of the female experience but I think some of that toxicity has made its way into Taylor Swift's music at this point. Yeah. Because I think in I some of the that. language that's used, she's she's co-opting the, to put it, I don't know, this is a little melodramatic, but she's co-opting the language of the oppressor, right? So you have, you have negging right. and gorgeous, that you should take it as a compliment that I made fun of the way you talk. Gorgeous to me was a very weird song to listen to because I felt like she was trying to turn a lot of the very, very sexist language that is used about women in general, but women entertainers, when they receive unwanted and unprompted male attention. That to me, that that was what that's me. I don't know how deep that goes, but that was sort of my first take on it. Yeah, that's that's pretty much all I had to say about that. I'll be interested to see if she comes out with a music video for that song. Yeah, I don't even know what that's gonna gonna look like because the music video so far, I think I did, I did really appreciate the music video for "Look What You Made Me Do." That's visually, I think we've talked about this off air, but Taylor Swift's aesthetics are on point, even if the underlying yes. message is just terrible. Yeah, e- even if even if the message is empty. Or terrible. The package it is delivered in always looks like really good. Yeah. yeah. Like like um we, we were talking about this about the look what you made me do, I think might be a more topical example of that. But the music video for Ready for It. I have some problems with Ready I have for some it. Issues. <laughs> I have some problems with that music video. Uh so many problems. The graffiti. Yeah. Unnecessary. Well, there's there's the two instances of graffiti. There's the 89 at the beginning. Yes. Which, 1989. There's all the, I want to say it's Mandarin, but I'm not positive. Mandarin Chinese. They may not, they might not even know. They may not even know. Oh my God, what if it's like those guys who go get tattoos? I hope so. In 
Asianic languages and they don't know what it means. God, so if anyone out there knows of someone who's translated the graffiti in that music video, please add us. Yes. Please send it to us. We need to know. We need to know. But then there's the, there is it, they're burning all the witches? Yeah, that's at the end. That's the only other uh, legible graffiti in that video that I noticed that's, you know, relevant to people who speak English. And that is very interesting. And you made a good point off air that I want to bring up about how the term witch hunt has almost been co-opted by, like, male politicians. <laughs> who are, people are trying to hold them responsible for their terrible behavior. Exactly. Which I think can tie back to Taylor Swift. Right. Because a, a big thing that people bring up about her is um, capital W, capital F, white feminism, which is essentially a feminism that is centered on white women and what they want, and they will step on other groups, particularly uh, female POCs, who, um, or women of color, excuse me, who they can step on to get where they want. A big thing with white feminism in my experience, and again, we gave this disclaimer in the last episode, we are both like mid-20s white females. Yes. Is when you, as a white woman, have your shit called out, when you've been the face of oppression in America for so long, being held to any kind of standard feels unreasonable. And being any kind of lack of priority feels like like discrimination. It isn't, even though, like, I identify on the queer spectrum, but, like, I am a pretty decently well-off white lady uh-huh. in America. Like, it's, I, I, I got, I'm at the near the top of that ladder compared to a lot of other women. And, and it is, I, I guess a lot of it is because women, white women, I think we as a collective really like to believe that white supremacy and racism have nothing to do with us. So when people are like, hey, yo, like you've been a part of this forever, people get very defensive. I know um, it's like I know like women in my life who are older than me who are like that, who want to believe that they're not the problem. And I'm like, just because you're not overtly racist, sexist, homophobic, et cetera, et cetera, does not mean that you are not complicit in those things. And that I think is a big thing to learn to get away from being a white feminist to being a feminist who is white. Yeah, I mean, that's something that I think that's a journey that, you know, I have had to take as someone who comes from a very conservative, very white, very insular, you know, community where there weren't a lot, uh, there's not a lot of diversity. Everyone is kind of stuck in the 70s. You know, that that's something that when I moved that I had to like, you know, I had to get over myself. You have a realization that that there are other human people out in the world that are different and their experiences and their feelings are just as legitimate as yours. And you have to get over yourself. And I don't know if Taylor Swift has made that that jump. Yeah, because like, yes, everybody is dealing with their own shit. And everybody's got to deal with whatever's in their lives. But there does come a point where you just got to get over yourself. Yeah, I think it's also important to acknowledge that, like, I'm never going to be done making that jump. Like, there's, I'm still going to do, I'm still going to do problematic things, I'm sure. But with with Taylor Swift, especially, I know we we talked about, we're probably only going to be able to talk about this a little bit just for time. The Ready For It music video and the, the obvious comparisons to Ghost in the Shell. 
and the and the wonderful can of worms that that comes with. Yeah, I mean, Ghost in the Shell is, is fraught anyway lately mm-hmm. because of all the the whitewashing of the casting and all the stuff that went along with that. Yeah, so. I remember. I don't remember who it was I was speaking with, but I remember talking to somebody who was like, "Oh well." you know, the Japanese creators didn't have a problem with it or whatever. And I'm like, well, that's great for them and their culture, but it's an American movie. So we should probably look at what an American audience will also think of it. Like not to completely discount that opinion or whatever, but you you know what I mean? Where like you're casting a white woman in a, in a Japanese role means something in America. It's very typical appropriation. I know that's kind of a hot button word. Yeah. But- appropriation yeah but yeah it is also um i got really mad because the uh cyborg uh had built-in high oh my heels God, yes. and i i don't know what that was about like, i know my you we were you were on call with me when i watched this video and i remember my immediate instinct was why does it have boobs like really contoured distinct boobs and i know you you mentioned that might have been a choice to have it be a very sexualized version of Taylor Swift. But then Taylor Swift is a robot at the end. What is the truth? Yeah, yeah. That's, that, I think, plays into the, like, identity as a construction uh, motif theme in this, al- in this album. But I didn't really understand. I didn't understand the heels. Yeah, the heels. Uh, at all. The witch hunt. To to kind of dig into, though, the fact that Taylor Swift was also a robot fighting a robot doppelganger of herself. Like, why was the relationship between her and her robot doppelganger antagonistic? Yeah, that, that wasn't made very clear. Like, why does Taylor Swift robot have another robot of herself in an electrical... I mean, and music videos are not always coherent. That's not something you expect from a music Correct, video. but I, I do think she has... A reputation for making oh, no. for making music videos that follow some kind of plot. Blank Space, mm-hmm. Bad Blood were the two big ones, I think, from the nineteen eighty nine era. Right. But like Love Story from Speak Now, uh-huh. I think wasn't that from Speak Now? Or is that from Fearless? Uh, I think it's from Speak Now. Anyway, one of those two. Speak Now, Speak Now, and Fearless are really like the They're, same. I, I I have trouble differentiating which songs go to which album because they sound very similar. Um, mm-hmm. but Love Story I know was one that it was. Uh, what was another? Like yeah, You Belong to Me. Pretty much yeah. Pretty much every Taylor Swift video up until this one has had some sort of coherent thread through it. So I think I was surprised. Yeah, like by like that. even like look, even Look What You Made Me Do has some kind of coherent plot uh-huh. thread. Yeah, I mean it's not. It's more pastiche like more bits and pieces but it's still like there's a coherent message and theme like you understand what is going yeah, on yeah i agree throughout it whereas this was more like what is what is happening mm-hmm. it was just it was that empty message wrapped in a very aesthetically pleasing package yeah and without a coherent thread of plot through that video it was even more obvious that it was yeah empty. That it, yeah and I think a lot of this album is empty at the end of the day. Yeah. To kind of try to tie it back because it's hollow. I think that's the best word I can kind of give to a lot of these songs. It's just hollow. 
and like it is trying so hard to present a certain way like to present as oh I don't give a shit you want to talk about me just make sure you spell my name right like like it is it feels like it's trying so hard to get that that attitude but there is nothing inside it there is nothing behind it versus yeah a woman who we will also probably dedicate an episode to Lana Del Rey who I fully 100% believe does not give a shit no, she is, does not. I don't even know. She's probably not even from this place. She probably isn't. I mean, her and her and Hosier, they're just they're just from yeah. different planes. They're just gracing us with their presence for now. And pretty much, I think my conclusion. This is the album where I finally had to say, like Taylor Swift has been replaced in my heart of hearts by Carly yes! Rae. Yes, I love Carly Rae. She's so queen of everything. I listened and, and I, I actually did after I listened to these songs because you mentioned that to me after I listened to these songs that were available to stream or to find on YouTube. I went back and I listened to Emotion, which Such is a, a album. fantastic album. And just the, the stark difference. I know that like comparing one person to one person is kind of not productive at some point. But Carly Rae Jepsen's whole everything to me is so cohesive and it's so joyous and it actually feels i know this is a word that we can't really define but it actually does feel authentic which is weird i mean to be fair carly ray jepson is a contemporary of swift yeah like they are in the same lane like it would be i think it would be fair to compare her to like selena gomez is another person Demi Lovato. that's kind of in that lane and demi lovato are really, like, the people who live in that mm-hmm. place. Um, and, I mean, they each have their issues, I guess. Yeah, but... I would guess so. I, I, I think it it kind of goes back to the whole what is authentic? Why is all press good press? No. No. It's not. Spoiler alert. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, like, I don't need to, I don't need to debate that No, one. we don't. <laughs> that's, that's just a no. It is. It's just a no. I guess what really, really, really gets me at the end of the day about this whole thing is I don't think any of us really know who Taylor Swift is. And and I and I don't want to say that in a way that makes it feel like we as we as consumers are obligated to know who she is at any point. The way she has presented herself throughout her career, as relatable, as authentic. Um there was one article I read where she typically portrays herself as kind of a nerd. Mm-hmm. Which she's like a model who's had so many boyfriends and is. A I know, pop like I am star. a nerd. I know nerds. <laughs> we ain't like that. Like it's. I mean, I don't want to get into the fake nerd girl discourse. Oh yeah, no, because that well, that could be its own thing. Yeah, because I don't want to. I don't want to do that too. But at the same time, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm giving her some side eye. I agree. Maybe she has secret nerd problems, but then she also has, she has rich people problems. Yeah, she has, oh, so. what do I wear to the Met Gala problems? Like, like, that is not a universal experience, Taylor. Yeah, I guess that's where people kind of, kind of get the inauthenticity from. And, and I, and I guess I am, I can confess that I am a bit guilty of that, of thinking that rich and famous people don't have quote unquote real problems even though that has been proven time and time again to not be true 
because fame and fortune does not solve everything. It solves almost everything. It solves a lot of problems. It's the whole money can't buy happiness is a is a fake story peddled by the rich. Yeah, it can buy a certain level of happiness or at least comfort. Yeah, that's but you can't be happy without security, so it's a fairy tale. And and a lot of what I think Taylor Swift does is kind of rooted in those fairy tale tropes where she whether she believes it or not is up for debate. I do not know Taylor Swift. I am not in her squad. I do not know this woman personally. She troubles me. Taylor Swift. I think, too, like, it's hard to ignore that Taylor Swift has had some, like, she's not 100% totally evil. Oh, yeah. Like, she donates a fair amount of money to charity. She defeated that guy in the se- the sexual harassment civil yes. lawsuit recently. Yes, and things like that, where she's done individual acts of, like, goodness, but I don't know that that necessarily outweighs, like, the programmatic capitalism yeah and 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 what goes on yeah i i I think that is an interesting point and uh, a defense that i think is largely used by people when it probably isn't warranted but it is it is going to be interesting i think to see the aftermath of how this album is received not only by critics or by people who are were already kind of skeptical of her but by her fans because it, it is she does have a younger fan base that's been pretty consistent throughout her her entire career. Even I, I would consider people like us, like people who were there when she started um, 10 years ago. I really like, I, I still know a lot of people who like her, who are our age. But it, it'll be interesting for me to see how that interplay and how meaning is created. We talked about this with House of Leaves, about how meaning is a relationship, not not an event. It's definitely going to be interesting to see how it plays out and how her tour goes with everything yeah, that's I'll been be going on. Yeah, I'll be interested to see that. How's that going to turn out? I'm excited for more music videos, even if it's just from like a what's going to happen next. Kind yeah, that of. is something we can say about Taylor Swift. She really does have that, well, what's going to happen next kind of appeal. So yeah, I mean, I, I think... At this point, we're probably just going to be circulating and repeating ourselves, which is not good podcasting. Okay, I think that is going to wrap it up um, for episode two of the Remedial Studies podcast. If you've gotten this far, thank you so, so, so much for listening. Thank you so much to everybody who downloaded the first episode. We had a such a better turnout than we could have ever possibly hoped for. We're we're hoping that you guys like it. And even though we are, as Hannah talked about last episode, we're doing this for ourselves. It is something that we have been doing offline for a very long time. And we were like, why not record it? We do really, really appreciate when people share the show. Um, we appreciate when people mention how, how they liked it or mention that they, they just like how we view and talk about things. Like that means a whole, whole, whole lot to me. If you enjoy us, you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and we also have um, a Libsyn page that is linked on our Tumblr. Our social media is um, at Remedial Studies and Remedial Studies Podcast, all one word, on Tumblr. Um, If you're not a fan of the social medias and you just want to send us a good old-fashioned email, it's Remedial Studies Podcast, just like our Tumblr um, URL at gmail.com. 
Um, I think that's going to wrap it up for that. And uh, next week, we are going to be, not next week, um, in two weeks, on the 28th, we are going to be discussing um, George R.R. R. Martin's A Song of Ice and Fire series. Um, probably going to keep the talk of the TV show to a minimum, just because I know Hannah hasn't seen it. I haven't seen the last two seasons. I didn't really feel the need to. At me about it if you want. Um, but we're going to be talking, I think, about a lot of the difference between deconstruction and reconstruction of fantasy tropes, um, which is something George R. R. Martin is very well known for. And it's just going to be a rollicking good time as you work off that turkey coma from Thanksgiving. All right. Thanks, guys. Uh, if you want to rate and review somewhere, anywhere, any feedback. We're so thirsty for that it, That would be please. great. So, so until next time, this has been Hannah and Rachel on Remedial Studies.